Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, my name is Tom Welling. I played Clark Kent on Smallville, and you are listening to Always Hold On to Smallville. <laughs> Welcome to Always Holding to Smallville. In this podcast, we talk about each and every episode of the Young Superman show that ran from 2001 to 2011 on the WB and the CW. I'm your host, Zach Moore, and this time I'm joined by From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, Mr. Michael Bailey. What's up, Michael? <laughs> Nothing much, man. Thank you for having me on. This is, uh, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, so we've actually uh, podcast before on our Patreon show, Always Hold On to the Flash. So everybody mm-hmm. go check that out. Uh Michael's a big Flash fan, so we connected around that. But also, obviously, you're a big Superman fan. Yes. Uh, where does Smallville fall in your Superman fandom, Michael? Uh, it, it's weird uh, because I remember vividly, and somewhere I have like a like a thing I wrote because before blogging was a thing, I was blogging back in 2001 just on an AOL homepage because you know 2001 and. Uh, I remember being kind of put off by the no flights, no tights thing uh, because all the the hype surrounding the show was that he wasn't going to fly and he wasn't going to be Superman. But on the other hand, it was a Superman show. So it's like, oh, I got to I got to watch it. And oddly enough, uh, we had just gotten direct TV and direct TV at that time did not carry the WB. For some weird wow. reason. Broadcast TV channel, not on direct yeah. TV. And so, uh, I don't feel bad about saying this. Our cable company did not really unhook our cable for like two years after we <laughs> we stopped. And in the little office I had, I could still get cable. <laughs> so I watched like most of the first and second season of Smallville like in my office chair uh, on a very, very small television. But I remember watching the first episode, and my first reaction, and I got to tell him this, uh, was, 
oh my god, Tom Welling is huge. Because <laughs> in that first episode, he like you're like you see a Neto tool, and please, hmm. WB, stop casting Martha Kent's that I've had crushes on. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's like, yeah, I know Disney kind of like you know one up you with with hot Aunt May, but still, please, it's just like. A Noto Tool, somebody that I had a huge crush on when I was a teenager. And then they did, um, why can't I remember her name? Uh, in Man of Steel. Oh, Diane Lane. Diane Lane, who I've had a literal crush on since I was a little kid because she was in The Outsiders. Stop it. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but then Tom Welling fee fi fo fums into the, into the screen. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy is huge. And I just, I liked the show from the beginning. But around season five, I went through a really ill-advised period of just being angry at everything that I liked. And I remember by season five, I was just like, when they killed Jonathan Kent, I'm like, I'm done with this show. Hmm. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, I was I, I watched most of the first season. Uh, the second season, my wife, uh, who was my girlfriend at the time, my wife now asked if she wanted me to her me, for her to leave the room during the Christopher Reeve episode, <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's okay. But I was riveted to the uh, to the TV uh, to, to the TV, and then to find out that they got the Superman music because it was so cheap, and I don't know how that happens. Um, yeah, and, th- and then we're never allowed to use it again after yeah. the second season. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and you know. Third season, meh, okay, it's okay. And then the fourth season, I was kind of up and down. But by the fifth season, I'm like, you know, I'm going to tap out for a little while. And I didn't really watch the show, except like the odd episode here and there. Um, I watched the the one with the Wonder Twins because I was invited to go on Shoe, uh, Starkville's House of Hell. Uh, and I watched the JSA episodes because I'm a huge JSA fan. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the last episode because I figured I had to do that. And despite having DirecTV, despite having a DVR, our DVR wasn't working. So I had to tape it on a VHS tape. Oh, in 2011. Yes. VHS tape. (laughs) So, yeah, that that was kind of a a throwback because I was working that night. I came home and I remember getting done with it. I'm like, you know, maybe all this anger I had at this show was stupid. So I went back and binged seasons eight, nine, and 10 in short order after that and realized the show was exactly what it needed to be. It was never anything other than the journey of Clark becoming Superman. The reason why it took so long is that it was popular and they wanted to keep extending it. And that's yes. and that's not the show's fault. That's kind of the network's fault, really. Uh, but how do you say no to something that's making you money, right? <laughs> it's just like, yeah. this is our most successful show on the network. Even going over to the CW, it, it remained their most successful show. So yeah, even, even when they put them on, uh, you know, time slots, they thought, well, this will wrap it up. It, it succeeded. No, so. because, because people, and this is the thing that I also realized after the show wrapped up, is that as much as the show was for me as a Superman fan, it was more for the people that weren't Superman fans yet. And I had to I had to like go. <laughs> it sounds it sounds so pretentious and it's really not. But I but I had to like like come to terms with it 
and what it represents. And now I will defend this show to the death because it is one of those milestones in Superman's history where you can chart where certain people became fans of Superman hmm. because of this show. People who would never even think of cracking open a comic book would watch this male, female, old, young, just because it was a well-conceived show. It had a, it had a good hook. You know, the incredible Hulk television series from the late seventies and early eighties was basically the fugitive with the Hulk. Mm, yeah. And this was kind of every other WB drama, but just with Superman and Superman Dawson's character. Creek with superpowers. Yeah. This is the initial and, and uh, term for it. And now I don't know what you would call it now, like in season eight, because we're kind of a no, no phase of the show, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's not Smallville Creek anymore, but um, <laughs> Small Creek, yeah. <laughs> uh, which I remember people calling it. And it's funny because I, I have vivid memories of the arguments that this show caused both before it came on and during its run. And then watching like the rabid fan base envelop around it to the point where in 2006 back when there were message boards and that was a thing, the yes. arguments between the Superman returns people and the Smallville oh, people were the great freaking Ralph versus welling wars. Yeah, man, <laughs> just, just like, like tearing into each other. I'm like, guys, just can't we all just enjoy it? No, we can't. It's the internet. Of course. We can. I remember one specific phrase from that. It was someone's signature, I believe on the superhero hype message boards, uh, which I frequented a lot. I'd never posted, but I always go there. I lurk around, you know, because like you go to the superhero hype message boards, you go to TV shows. And around this time, there were just two categories. There was heroes and Smallville. <laughs> you know, that was it, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is crazy for people to think of today where we're just inundated with these. But, but somebody's signature was like, Christopher Reeve passed the torch to Tom Welling and Brian Singer put it out. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> but I did laugh. You know, you know, and then the great thing is, is that we've learned our lesson from that. And now mm -hmm. Superman fandom is one big, yeah. happy go lucky. There's no arguments between different versions of the character. No, I, you can use whatever theme music you want with yep. any actor. The suit can be any color. Like it's, it's fantastic. So we live truly in a, in a utopia Superman fandom, Michael. <laughs> I'll never forget when Man of Steel came out and watching Friendships End online in real time. <laughs> yeah. Just like, wow. Yes. But but Smallville, though, I, I've come to just... I'm not nostalgic for it because it wasn't like I was... It's, it's not like Lois and Clark, which I have issues with, but I was a senior in high school when Lois and Clark premiered. And so... And that was at a very good time in Superman's history. This came along at kind of a nadir in Superman's history. And it was the thing that literally kept the torch going for 10 years. And even when Superman Returns did not turn out to be the giant, huge, successful tentpole movie that I think Warner Brothers wanted, you still had like five years of Smallville trucking along after that. Yeah, it, that is crazy how Superman Returns is like almost a blip on the radar of Smallville's mm. journey. You know, you I mean you can see its influence obviously visually and stuff around season mm -hmm. 5 and 6, but then then they're like, "Okay, well that's gone now. You guys can go back to kind of doing your own doing your own thing." And, and it's fu also funny to think that as many <clears throat> and I was kind of like this at this at one point thinking that they were kind of not ruining Superman, but they were just trading on his image and and 
things that are part of him to keep a television show running. But uh, Al Goff has said, and I agree with him, they were the ones that were keeping the torch going. They were the ones that were arguing, even though they were doing it a different way, they were arguing for a more traditional version of Superman. And to keep that history and that, that lore in there. And yes, some of the winks and nods were a little more obvious than others in, in mm. what they were trying to be. You know, th- there were times where it seemed like they were just looking at the camera going, ah, uh, ah, uh, did you catch that? But at the same time, you have one of, and, and, and this episode's a good example of that, one of the best Lois Lanes in live action uh, came from this. And you have Tom Welling putting a real definitive and interesting stamp on the character, which is why in the years since the show has come out, has, has been off the air and everyone's just like, well, he needs to put on the costume. I'm like, leave this man alone. He gave you 10 years. <laughs> yeah. he, he owes you nothing. <laughs> He, he could have at least worn some glasses, though, in season eight, nine, and ten, Michael, if you ask me. I, it's, I Well, th- that would have been interesting. I'm, I'm wondering if that was more of a studio edict. I don't know. It just is, You see him, especially, you know, well, we're talking about instinct, by the way. We'll get there shortly. Yeah. But you see, yeah. in, this fa- in this phase of the show, right, you see him walking around. Is, it's so refreshing to see Clark Kent at the Daily Planet, like, in a, mm-hmm. in a suit and a tie. And, like, he's talking to Lois Lane about newspaper articles. I'm like, oh, this is great. And, like, the only thing missing is a pair of glasses. I just, I feel like, I don't know, just, just I feel like Tom Welling might be like, I'm not wearing glasses. <laughs> because I don't, I don't know. But. It's, it's funny because uh, back in 2021, for the 20th anniversary of Smallville, uh, they did three panels at, at Dragon Con, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, here in Atlanta. And I was fortunate enough to be one of the moderators on that. So it was really interesting hearing from, like, I've never met any of the stars of the show before. And, you know, you hear interviews, but conventions are a different setting. Usually people kind of let their guard down a little more. And right. they're, they're more willing, because it's, especially Dragon Con, which is a, Dragon Con, for those of you who don't know, if San Diego is geek prom, Dragon Con is kind of geek Mardi Gras. Um <laughs> And it was really interesting hearing him talk about how it was in his contract to not wear the suit. But when it came to the last episode, he had to basically convince them to let him out of it, uh, out of the stipulation because he felt something had to happen. And it was just like, you know, for years, Tom Willing didn't say anything. I think it was before season 10, before he even did a convention appearance. And he went yeah, to I San think Diego. Yeah, I was San Diego Comic Con for the last yeah. Uh, panel. Yeah, and, and for one thing, he was working twelve hours a day. So, good lord, right? Uh, <laughs> six, six, sometimes seven days a week. Yeah, but um, my, it, when you're talking about my appreciation for the show, meeting him and meeting Laura Vandervoort and Michael Rosenbaum and Sam Witwer gave me an even deeper appreciation for the show because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing about some of the behind the scenes stuff and you don't do that. I mean, yeah, they were paid, but you don't do that. If you don't at least somewhat like it, you don't stick with something for 10 years if you hate it. So all of my, a lot of my perceptions of, of who these people were 
kind of changed. And now I, I have what is, if it's possible, an even deeper appreciation for what the show represents, which is a long winded way of answering your question. <laughs> no, it's great. No, I, and, uh, you know, speaking of Welling, you know, com- coming off what you were mentioning there, like him and Rosenbaum on Talkville, just to hear Welling talk about the show all the time. It's so interesting because like, like to your point, like he didn't do press. Like we just like kind of a mystery, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's going to come back and it, obviously he's talking about this on a weekly basis. And, and he so much care and attention went into the show, you know, and mm-hmm. like he wasn't just showing up and doing whatever. Like, no, he was like, no, Clark should do this or this or that. It's so interesting and insightful uh, to, to hear him, especially, cause, you know, what, what Rosenbaum's been doing conventions for a long time and he's got his stable of stories and you know, his certain, you know, uh, vibe to things. But then to hear Welling talk about it, it's just so insightful. And, and, and to your point, it, it increases your your respect and fandom of the show even further. It's the mm-hmm. same for me. So, um, so yeah, there's your history with Smallville. Yes. I'm, I'm glad you came around on the yes. show. I understand. Look, I get it. I I understand like what, why people would be like, this isn't like the comics, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's it's a, a victim of its own success might be too harsh of a term, but I mean, to your point, that's why it lasted ten years. It was so successful, yeah. it kept going. You're like, how are we going to stretch this out? And I think, you know, had it kind of, I'm glad it lasted as long as it did, because if it, it had kind of if it had fizzled out in those middle years, on five, six, seven, I'm like, oh, man. But they but they got to the next phase. We're in the Metropolis years now, 8, 9, and mm-hmm. 10. And they get to do basically a, a, a reboot of Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman, just without the costume, you know, and, or the glasses. And that's where we are now. <laughs> and we get to see combo characters like Maxima. Showing, yes. Right? The, the only, as of this recording, live action version of a character Maxima. Now, Obviously, you're a comic book historian, Michael. But yeah. are you are you a fan of the, the Maxima character from the comic books? Oh, it comes right from my uh, sweet spot of Superman comics. I started reading the comics in '87, and uh, the addiction took hold about a year later during the lead up to a story called Exile, and that's when getting the Superman books went from okay, I'm going to go try to do this to no, I have to get the next issue. This is a moral imperative. <laughs> uh, and it's funny looking back on it. It's because you had a group of creators that basically took a DC character and turned it into Marvel storytelling, where it's the stuff with the secret identity and stuff with the supporting cast and the villains and the, and the you know, you can read an issue and like it, but there's stuff bubbling in the background that if you're following the run you have an even greater appreciation for it. And Maxima hit right at after the end of Exile. And that was the summer of 89. So you also had like the Batman movie coming out. So I was like particularly into everything that summer. And she was just this character that showed up, was thirsty for Superman. Uh, her first appearance, it's not even really her. It's uh, I think they call it a simulacrum. I've never known how to pronounce that word. I've seen it written. And then, you know, you finally get to know her and she's just she just wants Superman. She's just, you know, he's he's the one that she thinks is going to be worthy of him. And she was a villain for the longest time. And then she joined the Justice League because uh, she was in she was in Doomsday, y'all. Maxima is in the Doomsday storyline. <laughs> she's part of that Justice League. And so she became, because it was the 90s, more of like an anti-hero. Hmm. Uh, just As like, they often do, you know, right? You know, As just often do. more aggressive, uh, kind of hot. 
you know, the red hair and everything. But mm-hmm. no, I, I, I remember when it was announced that she was going to be on Smallville. I'm like, who are they going to cast for her? Because we're talking about a character that was first drawn by George Perez. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> who is known for making women, his women look attractive and I just, I didn't know who was going to be, like, who in Hollywood is statuesque enough to play this character. And um, I, I'm not saying I was disappointed in what we got in the episode. Uh, there is a little disappointment, but it's nothing in to do with the casting. But yeah, no, I was, I, I was, when I heard that they were going to have Maxima on the show, I'm like, how's that work? This is way too early for Maxima. Because I was in that mindset at the time. He, he met Brainiac and saw this is yeah. too soon. Does he want you to change your mindset to you know what? This is the Superman story just happening early. It's a it's a different version of Superman. If I can right. accept George Reeves and Dean Kane and you know the various animated versions of the radio show, I could accept this. So yeah, exactly. um so it was nice because like I said, this was one that I watched after the show was over. Hmm. And so this is the second time that I've watched it. And, uh, but to, to, to finish up your question, I, uh, I was, a Maxima was part of a particular era of Superman that I'm fond of. So I will always be fond of that character. Now that was, that was slightly before the black triangle era. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, two years. Okay. Um, Okay. Because that, that's when they really start doing the synergy of everything and whatnot. But, yeah. uh, but, I, but, I, but I follow you on the other. And yeah, I think that's the way to go. Like the uh, like continuity, but not like everything is a six part story. Like, mm-hmm. it's like there's some you can get some fulfillment over an individual issue, but there are other things that can kind of tie in everything that's going on. So I, I totally agree. But uh, Maximum of the character, like I, I first saw her on Superman, the animated series. Mm-hmm. She's in an episode of that. Uh, I think she's only in the one episode, but, you know, it's basically the same. She's kind of got the same plot every time you see her the first time she comes to Earth and I think she's going to get with Superman. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's uh, interesting. Animated series turned her around into a character like, gosh, 96. 96. So less than 10 years after she debuted, mm-hmm. uh, she's yeah. in the animated series. So that's that's great. And and I think that just goes to it's it's an interesting concept. It's this uh, alien warrior queen that is looking for a consort. And in kind of royal terms, she wants somebody that is going to be her equal. And so that and and it's Superman who is not known to just jump in the sack with somebody. So it's just like you, you get the whole <laughs> you get you, you, you get like the the comedy of it because it is kind of funny, except in the comics when she was literally killing people uh, on her way to finding Superman. As she but, did here. Uh, yes. Uh, but. <laughs> On the animated series, I mean, that episode right. ended with Lobo showing up and her mooning <laughs> over him. That's a great way to end it. I always love that yeah. ending for that. And, and, and it was just perfect for that representation of the character because it was more of a comedic take on it because it's for little kids. They're not they're going to have in the animated series Maxima showing up in Metropolis and like beheading people on her way to, to, to trying to get <laughs> Superman. So, right. <laughs> well, you know, you, you mentioned uh the action, we, we can go ahead and touch on that real quick before we jump to it. Charlotte Sullivan, mm-hmm. not Chloe Sullivan, Charlotte Sullivan, which I thought was an interesting name for her, uh, actress. And she is in Law & Order Organized Crime. Mm-hmm. She's been in Blue Bloods. Uh, she has been on a show called MVP, uh, Across the River to Motor City. So she, she's, got a, she's got a resume. 
and also she's been on Rookie Blue as well. I, I think she was a main character on Rookie Blue, uh, according to IMDb here, which uh, that is not the show with Nathan Fillion. <laughs> that's no. the rookie. I was like, wait a minute. That's, <laughs> and not that's Rookie Feds. No. Which is uh, the new but, one. Uh, Missy Peregrim, who was on Smallville uh, episode, she was the main star of Rookie Blue. Uh, anyway, so she, she's got quite a resume. Oh, she was also in Saving Hope, a few episodes of that with, of course, Erica Hawkman Durant's. and Lois Lane. And, and, and yeah, he <laughs> said so the Hawkman and Lois Lane show. Also on Chicago Fire. So she, she's got she's got a foot in a lot of the... Uh, um, the Dick uh, Wolf universe Dick Wolf there. Universe, that's yeah. it, yes. Uh, exactly. I was about to say, if she's on Chicago Fire and organized crime, man, you get, it's like like being good in with Dick Wolf, I think is like being good in with Adam Sandler. He's going to put you in like everything. So <laughs> you, you you got a job the rest of your life if you guys get on well. But uh, she was also, you know, uh, and I think this is interesting, she played Marilyn Monroe in the Kennedys miniseries from a few years ago starring Ooh. Greg Kinnear as JFK. Yeah. So. It, it's, it's interesting because they give her extremely red hair in this. Yeah, but and, and, like Kirsten Dunster, Michael. Yeah, and and I don't. Um, I'm a guy that appreciates beautiful women, but I don't like to focus on that. But really, what got me more, uh, and I think they focused on it in the shots. She's really striking eyes. Yes, like she's yes. she's really good at like having that look of just being confident and seductive to a certain extent. So they really didn't have to focus more on her body, which I kind of appreciated, which is it's this era of the show a couple years before <laughs> they would have had her in that outfit that she was oh. in more. Yeah. More totally. than she was. Uh, maybe even put her in like the Erica Durant's red, white and blue bikini, which I will, which did not age well by the way, when I rewatched that a couple months ago. Um, but no, I, I, I liked her because she embodied the character without being your typical CW kind of waif, I guess is the best way to say that. <laughs> no, I follow you. But uh, yeah, you know, interestingly enough, they, they didn't title this uh, Maxima. They're, nope. They often do that, but it's like Zod, Bizarro, mm-hmm. Perry, Right. Yep. It's like, oh, they've been an easy title, uh, but they went with instinct. So let's get into it then. Instinct. This Thursday, a legendary love. When the right girl walks into your life, you'll know. Is thrown off track. I'm Maxima. And you don't know how long I've searched for you. Smallville! There is nothing romantic about Lois and Clark. Bring it. Smallville, all new episode this Thursday at 8, 7 central. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Instinct is the fourth episode of Smallville's eighth season. It aired on October 9th, 2008 was written by El Septian and Turi Meyer and directed by James Conway. Now, James Conway, James L. Conway, uh, this is his uh, last episode of Smallville. It's a series wrap for him as a director. And uh, he directed four episodes over the last uh, couple seasons. He directed Static, Kara, Lara, and Instinct. Uh, so that's it for him. Prolific Star Trek director. Uh, he directed the pilot for Star Trek Enterprise, uh, he directed some of my favorite episodes of Star Trek D Space Nine. He directed some Voyager, a couple of Next Generation episodes. So, I mean, I, I recognize his name from the credits from, from when I was, you know, watching Star Trek as a kid. Uh, but really big time uh, TV director. He did, did some Supernatural, 90210. Uh, anything, <laughs> virtually, in genre TV, it's his, it's his wheelhouse. So. Yeah. Now, it's, it's interesting that he did the uh, pilot for Enterprise because I would have watched more Enterprise but if I'm remembering correctly, it was on opposite of Smallville. It was. Uh, it was on the well, the first four years of Smallville. Yeah, it was on the last four years. Uh, he also direct, he directed the Mirror Universe two parter in a Mirror Dark. So, so, and I'm a I'm a huge Quantum Leap Scott Bakula fan. So that was going to be the Star Trek series I wanted to watch. Unfortunately, <laughs> Superman won out. So there you go, as he always does. So, well, Michael, I got a question for you. What do you think the ratings were for this episode? On this, on the CW in two thousand eight. On the <laughs> CW in two thousand eight. <laughs> on a Thursday I, night. Uh, Thursday. Well, you know, Thursday night. You know, it's good. It's not a weekend night, so you know, people aren't distracted with that. Uh, I'm not sure what a good share is, but I'm gonna say high ratings because I don't, I don't know a number to give you uh, for that. Unfortunately, I, I, I've never understood ratings. As they are <laughs> presented, but I, but I'm I'm willing to bet because it was Maxima that it was not the highest rated episode of the season, but was still you know you're still in the afterglow of the season uh, premiere, so it was probably coasting on that as well. Yeah, so we have 4.05 million viewers, okay. uh, which uh, just to put in some context the the season premiere 4.34 million. So we're still staying okay. over four. There have been there have been a little slide. It goes back and up and down a little bit, but for this first half of the season, you're staying in the into mid to high fours. So which, which at that time on the CW, they're like, we got to keep this show going. Yeah, I was about <laughs> so, to say, if, if in 2008 you have four million people watching your show, with everything else on television at that point, you're like, yeah, we're sticking with this. So the episode starts out, and uh, we're at Luther Mansion, and we're doing some science experiments. We have a returning guest star. And Dr. Grohl, played by Bill Mundy. Dr. Grohl 
uh, was one of Lex's scientists uh, in season six. He was in a few episodes, and they pull him out as as Tess says, uh, oh, "We got we got to lure one of Lex's uh, top scientists out of hiding." So I really I really appreciate the uh, the actor and character continuity here with all these you know scientists the Luthers have working for them, right? Well, and, well, to uh, be fair, it's one that Lex didn't kill. Uh, <laughs> that's true. So <laughs> the list is is rather short when you put it that way. So, or fall into a coma. Or fall into or a coma or, right. or gets possessed by Kryptonian. <laughs> Who's he? What's it? And then goes off into does Watchmen. So. Oh, yeah. Very good. Very good. What we have here is we have the Fortress of Solitude crystal, which which is so funny to me. Like I you it's it's this blue physical, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Superman Pentagon here. And I always you would see it every now and then like this. Like, in, well, I, I don't know, just in a couple of shots, really of Clark holding it. And I thought, oh, they didn't finish the special effect, right? And that's why it's that way, right? Uh, because when you see him throw it in, you know, commencement and then arrival, like it's 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 all these crystals. It's very intricate CGI, yes. right? And I'm like, oh, this is just the prop. But then they kind of lean into it <laughs> in season eight. And like, here it is. It's just the prop. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is what we're going with. But I guess we can say that's when the fortress dissolved and yes. that, that that's that's why it's like that. But anyway, they, they have it in a nice little Superman, the movie referencing the two to dis, you know, floating mm-hmm. there. I thought that was a really cool little reference there. Interestingly enough, in this opening scene, there's a there's a short part of a deleted scene later that I'll get to, but once you know what it is, you can tell here where it is. So she's talking to Tessa's talking to Dr. Grohl, and he says, quote, it doesn't match any element on this planet. Uh and we cut away to Tess, and he says, It appears to be some kind of computer hard drive. And then we cut back to him and he says, I believe it may be alien. And it's like, oh, that's ADR. And the sentence flows much better when he doesn't say that. And it's because there's this brief deleted scene later where Tess's assistant says, Dr. Cole thinks it might be a alien hard drive. And she's like, well, I know who can hack a hard drive. And <laughs> it's just so interesting. They <laughs> they just cut that scene. It's like 30 seconds long. They insert a little dialogue here and it took care of that. So I just, I thought that was very interesting. I always watch the deleted scenes before the episode to kind of stick out. I'm like, oh, now I know why there's ADR. But anyway, that's been too much time in the first like 30 seconds. <laughs> but... Dr. Gold finds that uh, it, it, he thinks the he thinks the uh, the crystal responds to uh, sonic vibrations. And then we get a big blue beam to the sky. What, what is this, a superhero movie, Michael? Yeah, I was about to say it's a big blue. Like, like the, this is the beginning of the episode. This is supposed to be what happens, you know, during the third act when we're going to see CGI characters wailing on each other for 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's funny. You don't see that a lot in Smallville. You've seen it a couple of times, but uh it, it was fun to see. So, so it, you know, it, it sends out a signal to space, and uh, apparently Maxima finds it. And because we get some uh, stock trader dude bro walking around <laughs> with his earpiece, I love this. It was. I was like, that is delightfully two thousand eight with the little with the with the ear, uh, the, the the speakerphone ear thing that uh, has now fallen out of favor. It's um, so interesting because we all have like earbuds and stuff these days, but back then, if somebody wore that around, you'd be like, "God, what a douche!" <laughs> I don't know. Well, what it he's is. He, and and I love his dialogue too. He is just, he's like one of these guys that watched Wall Street as a kid and thought it was a documentary, so that's what he wanted to shape his entire life uh, around. So so I I, I I I did not feel bad for what happened to him. <laughs> You got to sell, baby. You got to sell. <laughs> right. So, so Maximum pretty much like Terminator survey to Earth. It was very Terminator mm-hmm. arrival, I thought. And um, she's like, I saw 
uh, I came when I saw your Kryptonian beacon. He's like, whatever you say. Here I am, baby. <laughs> and that's why you're like, okay, whatever happened, this guy happens to him, right? But her, uh, she, you know, she starts to make out with him because that's what she does. And and her love is just too much to handle. And uh, I wanted to ask Michael, is this, because I, I don't think I've read like a, a proper Maxima comic book. Like I've seen her appear in things, but like, is this what happens like in the comics? No. Like it's her thing? Okay. No, she's like, like I said, her first appearance, it was a, um, simulacrum it was basically a a, a sophisticated android a replicant uh, if you will a, a replicant of her uh that she went to earth with her keeper and because at the end of the first step issue that she's in you see her on like a ship like standing before it so you realize oh it wasn't her to begin with uh so and when she finally does make her pitch there's no she goes right for Superman. She knows who he is because in the comics, Superman is already around. Everybody knows he's Kryptonian. Makes sense. So, yeah. so it's not like here where she's searching for somebody. So this is actually kind of a neat uh, Smallville plot device, as I like to call it, uh, which, which, <laughs> which every show, it's the same plot device that every show does. But Smallville was particularly good about basically having uh it's not you know lois later on says oh i think a meteor freak's running around which in the smallville universe if people were just suddenly dying because uh, their hearts exploded uh and their adrenaline was all jacked up you would probably think yeah meteor freaks Somebody. yeah that's at least a couple of episodes mashed up together right there yeah. <laughs> previous so, episodes so uh so it's it's not strictly from the comic but it works very well for the show yeah. Uh, as a way of introducing the character and having the mystery of Clark trying to figure out who she is uh, before they finally meet and, you know, make out. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, she's only in the one episode, but I think she's a kind of an undersung, like, Smallville did this character right, you mm -hmm. know, adaptation, as opposed to, you know, Mr. Mixopitaly. <laughs> Oh like, yeah, because you know when I think of Mister Mixius Pedalik, I think of Euro Trash. Uh, that, that's uh, <laughs> the, the, I remember watching that episode, going, "Really, guys, you've you've done so well with other characters. This is what you're okay, whatever." And, and it was, you know, it, it was like one of the first comic books, especially villains they brought onto the show. Um, but why, had they just waited on him? Like he could have shown up in like season eight or nine. They could have really done him like pretty close to you know the way Supergirl did him to a to a yeah. certain extent. So anyway, I just that's the, that's your Mountain Rushmore of bad adaptations. It's, it's Mixes Pitalik, Deathstroke, yes. John McCain Deathstroke, as I call him, Dark Side, unfortunately. And I don't know, like that fourth spot, eh, you could say Bizarro because he's really kind of not a good adaptation of the character. It's but that's not just, a, you know. it's not a good adaptation of the character. But I think in terms of having a plot twist. Yeah that he was pretending to be Clark for several episodes or that's or pretty cool. felt, felt like several it episodes. It was two something. episodes. Yeah. 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 But well, for Smallville, that feels like five. That's Smallville. That's a whole uh, half season arc. Right? <laughs> yeah. I was about to say it's, it's, it's I, not to distract us too much, but I remember right. when the, I, I didn't really watch arrow when it came on, but I'm a huge flash fan. So in the flash series and like something would happen, like, Iris would be mad at Barry for something at the beginning of the episode. And I'm like, oh, great. This is going to be like half the season. And then they resolve it at the end of the episode. I'm like, oh, we're not doing the Smallville thing anymore. Where this is going to be the, the the emotional through line for these two characters for like seven episodes. Huh. Okay. That's 
that's fine. But now I, I was trying to think of a, like a, a, a character they did badly. And the thing is, is that when they reimagined, I mean, the, the whole fourth world characters in the fourth, in the final season were, that was a weird way of doing it. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, dark side was fine up until like, Oh, you never like, I, I just like, okay, we're eventually going to see dark side. Like, like as a guy to like a doomsday suit or something. Mm. Cause even doomsday, Despite the plot, I'm like, okay, I, the werewolf thing worked for me. So that's why he's not on my Mount Rushmore of poorly adapted. No, they tried. Um, and, you know, it, it's not their fault that the, well, we haven't gotten to that episode yet. So yeah, well, that's gonna, that's that's going to be an episode, I tell you. But <laughs> I mean, it's not as bad as Antonio Sabato Jr. as Deathstroke on the fourth and, season of small of Lois and Clark. That's but, right. That is the worst Deathstroke. Not even. What do you guys? Come on. Yeah. Come on, DC. Don't let him use that name. But anyway. So, yes, Maximo, they did a good job. Uh, and her modus operandi is intact. She drops a, a General Zod Man of Steel at the end of this uh, teaser. She's like, I will find him. <laughs> and then we get to the opening credits. So, And then we come back. And you know what? I thought this was a very delightful scene. Clark uh, getting ready for work on the farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see him in Shelby. Yes. And, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to track down which dog played this Shelby. Because Shelby up to this point was played by Bud the dog. Okay. Bud the dog was from crypto to now. And instinct, based off what I found, because I don't have, believe it or not, I don't have an encyclopedic memory of all these episodes. This is the only episode of uh, season eight that Shelby appears in. This is a different dog. This is not Bud the dog. Yeah, that that looked, even it's been years since I've seen the episode uh, that introduced Shelby. Um, but even then I was like, that doesn't look like the same dog. This dog... <laughs> I mean, it's it. I'm I'm a dog person, so it, same. Yeah. The the fact that Clark came back to feed him when he ran off, I'm like, <laughs> Clark, and then what he comes jerk. back, and I'm like, okay, so this is a good comedic beat, but right. I just I just sorry again as a dog owner, just sitting there getting ready and hearing him scratching on the door. I'm just like, and him letting him in. I was just like, this is charming as hell. Yes, we can all <laughs> as pet owners, you relate to this. You're like, yeah. oh yeah, this is you're you're getting ready, you're going to work, you got to feed, you got to feed the dogs or cats or whatever you got. And it is cute because he's he's getting ready to he's getting ready to feed Shelby, and then Lois calls him. It's like Smallville, where are you? And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm flagging right now. I'm like, why would you say that's something that that's something that Clark tells Lois like years later when she knows mm-hmm. the Superman. I thought that was a weird terminology for him to use, but beside the point, he gets distracted and he and he and he super speeds off. Um, but then he comes back and uh, you know to, to feed Shelby, and uh, and it's so funny because there's that shot of like the dogs like looking at the food, can of food that he didn't open. You're like, oh, I, I'm curious if they were having trouble with the dog, because it seemed like Tom Welling had to point at the food to get the dog to notice the food. Mm. Whereas, I mean, if I put if I even like open a cheese wrapper in my house, <laughs> dog is locked in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I've got I've now, unfortunately, two dogs yelling at me. Uh, so when he was just like, Shelby, Shelby, I was just wondering, were they having trouble with the dog that day? Well, it wasn't, but I'm telling you, but the dog's professional, you know, yeah, hard to so. replace. So I'm sure this dog's a good dog, you know, and, and, you know, as dog lovers, we can tell the difference between a golden retriever. They don't all look alike, you know? Yeah. So this is a different golden retriever and, you know, maybe just wasn't locked in as, as much. And maybe that's why the dog didn't come back. <laughs> there was no more Shelly. Like we got to figure this out for season nine because Shelly does come back in season nine for a couple episodes. But uh, anyway, Clark has the dog. The kids have a dog. Even Clark's like, well, it's, I'm still getting used to just being you and me here on the farm, which um, by the way, he, he pulls out. For some reason, Lana's kryptonite necklace looks at it. 
Yeah, um, that was. I was like, is this is this something I forgot about? Does this go somewhere? Yeah, this is play into the episode somehow, right? No, but I think it's more of the Lana's gone now, and he found something that reminded of her, which kind of ties into the conversation he and Lois have when he gets to work. Right. Now, I mean, there is a theme to this episode, like yeah. soulmates and moving on. I'm like, all right, I, whenever there's like an episode like this, where like, it's not just like, call the character comes to Smallville, but they, there's like a thematic angle they have. I appreciate that. That's what they're going for. And this season, especially the first half, you're in the shadow of Lana not being there. Yep. And surprisingly, I don't find it exhausting. I find like they're handling this the best possible way they could. And it's also refreshing that that, that cycle has ended that, you know, Clark and Lana cycle up until uh, when she comes back in season eight. But I just I th- this might be the last time we saw the we see the kryptonite necklace. It's just such a in those early episodes. That was just an iconic thing. It, it's oh, on yeah. the poster. Like it's on the you you know it's behind me where he's <laughs> small little poster. He's wearing the kryptonite necklace, right? Um, and of course it became clear in season two because the ship turned on and blah blah blah. And every now and then you'd see it around. Like Lana found it in his room once, which I thought was really interesting. I'm like, what does she think happened to this thing? But it was just like I appreciate the con- there, and there's even more continuity coming up later in this episode. So they're just throwing all this deep cut continuity at you, and I with props, and I really appreciated it. So yeah, I I I like that you know. Most of these episodes of Smallville, there was like the the A plot. Most shows, there's an A plot and the B plot. And the B plot in this is the theme of people moving on romantically. Because uh, you have Clark, you know, getting over Lana. Clark realizing maybe he has feelings for Lois, but he's not ready to really acknowledge that. And then you got the whole thing with Jimmy and Chloe. Uh, and, and Jimmy being just the worst through most of this episode. Yes, thank you. I agree. Um, I, I, I was just like, Chloe, why are you into this guy? He is obviously really, really bad with self-confidence. Like, okay, to be fair, if, for example, <laughs> if my wife dated Tom Welling before me. And, and she is now, they are now BFFs. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, okay, there, there's obviously some physical differences there. Almost like a foot and a half, I think, because I'm very short. Um, but still, Jimmy, just shut up. <laughs> yes. Man, I, we'll get to him shortly. But um, but so Clark, you know, he, he he super speeds in, right, to the Daily Planet. And, and hey, Michael, let me ask you, how far do you think Smallville is away from Metropolis? Um, <laughs> enough that you can see Clark riding a motorcycle on a... S- road outside of Smallville and see Metropolis in the distance. So I am thinking that it is much like where I live in comparison to Atlanta. It's a 30 minute drive. Well, in season one, you actually see it from like a windmill, which is even that even they admit like we messed up the <laughs> the footage on that. And you're talking about season two finale where Clark goes out to Metropolis and it's in the background. Uh, in season three, they say it's a three-hour trip, which means a six-hour round trip. And at some point, they decided, you know what? That's too far away because all of our characters are going to work on Metropolis. So I I, I believe, um, I don't know the exact time it is, but last uh, last season, Lyle Luther said, it's a small town just outside the city. And that's the joke I make about it because it's like, guys, like Metropolis was supposed to be this, like it's already in Kansas, which is way too close. <laughs> You know, in this universe, like it's basically Kansas City, right? Yeah. I guess, uh, which I don't know. 
it's not New York in the small universe, but like to to think that it's to basically the problem is all these characters now they all work and operate in Metropolis, but they all live in Smallville, even to the point when they when Clark gets to the Daily Planet and he's like, I'm two minutes early, right? Because he super speeds in. Imagine how like when does Lois get up and leave, right? Because she lived. We've established now that Jimmy has moved in with Lois and Chloe. So three of them are living in that apartment. And by the way, I thought Jimmy already lived there. It's very vague. But now we yeah. know all three of them live there. So all of them who work either at the ISIS Foundation or the Daily Planet, they're all making a three-hour drive? Like, okay. Yeah, that, 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 that I don't want to go into Atlanta. And like I said, it's like a 30-minute to an hour drive, depending. Everything, by the way, in Metro Atlanta is one hour from every anywhere else in Metro Atlanta. Well, it's the same thing in Houston. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like, if you're in so, Houston, you're one hour from Houston. That's yeah. what we say. So anyway. So it, it's just, it's, just it, it's a thing. But, you know, it's funny because I remember people losing their minds that Smallville was so close to Metropolis. And it made me realize that Superman the movie and the post-crisis world really did their magic because in the pre-crisis days, Smallville was right outside Metropolis. Was it? Yes. I uh, did. Wow, I did not know this. This yeah, is this is, there, this is why it's great having you on here to drop this knowledge. There, like, there's, you- a, there, there's, <laughs> there's a couple comics where it showed like a map showing where everything... And what I love is because it's it's uh, the, the 70s, you had Smallville, and then between that Metropolis, you had Bigville. Um, nothing, and I'm sure like one story happened in like 1965, but no, Smallville was a small, like farming community in, in like upstate New York, basically. Wow. Uh, and going to Metropolis, he, he went on a bus and it was a, it wasn't like a plane ride. And it was only after Superman, the movie, which put it in the wheat fields of Kansas because, that's bucolic and Americana and, and wow. all that. Okay. And then when John Byrne came on in 1986, he's like, well, we're just going to put it in, in, in we're going to put, we're, we're going to canonically put Smallville in Kansas. And that's where it has stayed since. Interesting. So Smallville did the Smallville, the show kind of did the reverse. It brought Metropolis to Kansas as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. taking can taking small putting. That is fast. I did not know that. That is fascinating, Michael. Yeah, I was wondering if it had come up on the show. I was, I was glad no I was one has to... ever told me that. OK, that, that, that's what that, this is why uh, I don't like doing it. But people jokingly, I, I think half jokingly call me the professor because I, I can drop this kind of knowledge. Well, you you have notice. you have learned me today, sir. So uh, that that is fast. So so look at Smallville going pre-crisis, right? Lex yep. and Clark knowing each other yep. in Smallville, yep. right? Look at that. Look at that. Mm-hmm. That Smallville being right outside the city. Wow. Look at you, and Smallville. Boy, did that come to the comics in a big way, starting in two thousand four. Uh, yeah, I mean, birthright uh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, um, even Secret Origin, uh, yeah, kind of kind of played with that. So it's it's funny how something goes away and. An adaptation comes along, brings it back, and suddenly everyone's like, "You know, that's, that wasn't a bad idea. Maybe, maybe we could play with that." Okay, like, let's, let's let's see what we got. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, perhaps. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, that's later this season too on Smallville. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's fascinating. But anyway, tr- anyway, everybody's trying to live in Smallville. Lois even kind of hints at like, "Yeah, you know, it's pretty crowded where I live. It must be nice living near a place with all the space." And Clark's like, "Yeah, it's kind of lonely sometimes, though." <laughs> So, and then Lois starts hyping up 
Clark's love life, right? She's like, you got to get over Lana. You got to try the 31 flavors. Don't vanilla, do wild cherry or something, right? Which she, so, you know, she's hyping him up to, to end up where he is later in the episode, really. Erica Durance is so good with that dialogue. Yes. Like, she really is selling, like, like trying to do the modern interpretation of Margot Kidder. Uh, because it, it reminded me of the scene in Superman 2 where Lo- Lois is like, you see something, you want it, you go for it. Uh, as she's making orange juice in her <laughs> smoke-filled as office. As she smokes a cigarette, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but so no, you gotta it, stand up straight, you know, that kind of stuff with them. Yeah. It, it's really why, uh, until Bitsy Tulak came along, uh, to be fair, Phyllis Coates from the first season of uh, the George Reeves series yes. is like, was my favorite until Bitsy came along. But Erica Durant came in like, like, like a dark horse out of, out of nowhere. Uh, and, uh, and I just love how she approaches this character because if you've. <laughs> After rewatching part of season five last year, where they didn't know what to do with her at all. Yes. And they kept trying to find it. It's like, oh, now you figured it out. Now you know where she belongs and you've got her there. Very good people. 100%. I've been I've been seeing that on this show for years. It's like she's not, uh, you know working at the talent or working for Martha. Like, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. They, they spun the wheels with her so long and now we're finally here. They're allowing their Lois Lane to be Lois Lane. And it is great. It's very refreshing. So absolutely. Yes. So, uh, she's going to pawn some story off on Clark about, you know, the dead, uh, wall street bro from the, from, from the Maxima killed the night before. And he starts reading and he's like, Oh, endorphin and adrenal levels, like off the, off the charts. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty cute exchange that he's like, she's they're talking about like how that happens and he's like oh like playing sports and she's like or and she's like or another activity that two people do repetitive motion to climax is like yeah i get it (laughs) so that's the theme of the episode it's it's a great example though of smallville science (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, it really is uh, (laughs) of people explaining something and getting most of it right (laughs) well it's close enough it's close (laughs) enough so uh, this is this intrigues Lois because because Clark's like, huh? It says that they're far beyond any, you know, human level of you know what blah blah blah, right? And so she she takes the story back from him, which is pretty humorous, and he's like, uh, gives her a look, right? So then we uh we cut to to Henry James Olsen moving in uh with Chloe, and they're, they're you know they're just having a good time, they're talking about this or that, and just enjoying the the joy of this, you know, honeymoon phase of the relationship, even though they're not married yet, right? That's, but they're in this lovey-dovey phase. Everything's great. And then uh, Chloe walks into another room, and Jimmy, you know, puts something on a shelf. And what falls off this shelf, Michael? But the infamous letter that yes. Chloe wrote Clark in season two. Deep cut continuity. What'd you think of this? I was like, wow. Uh, I had forgotten that they had done that. And I was just impressed that they thought to bring it back. And Fortunately, they brought it back to do a contrived argument uh, between Jimmy and, and Chloe. Because uh, I'm, I'm totally on Chloe. Like, I, 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 Chloe I get drops. It. You, oh, I guess we skipped yeah. the part about privacy. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like, OK, I get it. You're in your early 20s. You're, you're you're a little, you know, you're not quite confident in yourself. You realize that the woman that you're engaged to, and that's where it gets me, is like, it's not that they're just dating. They're engaged and are moving in with each other. This is a huge step for a couple. She seems pretty committed to you, Jimmy. (laughs) 
And he finds this letter, and if she would have said, and if, and her explanation is, I wrote that to him. I was fifteen. I was yeah, I was fifteen. Now, okay, Chloe, let let let's let's be honest. That was only like you know four or five years ago, but still. 15 from 15 to 20 is more of a gap from than 35 to 40. So yeah. <laughs> the older yeah, you a get, lot of the, life happened in those years. It, yeah. So, and you know, she, she almost died like 15 times. So, <laughs> but what, why does she still have it? We know why she still has it, <laughs> but, but it's just like, like her explanation is perfectly reasonable. Yeah. And he's having none of it. And it's in, it's clearly like in her high school yearbooks or something. Yeah. It's like, this is the high school shelf. <laughs> You know, just let it be, right? And and of course, Jimmy, all his insecurities fall out. He's like, you realize I'm, I'm living my worst nightmare right now, right? And, you know, I I, uh, <laughs> I really love what Chloe tells him. She's like, this constant insecurity uh, about Clark is really starting to wear thin. I was like, thank you. It started yeah. to wear thin two years ago because he's been mm-hmm. nonstop like this. And uh, not, not the biggest fan of Jimmy um, in this situation or most of the time, frankly. I really don't like, I'm not the biggest fan of Henry James, <laughs> Henry James Olsen here on Smallville. So, but like know, he does have a good saying, final point, though. I, I, I like how you keep saying the name, though. Henry James Olsen. This is very <laughs> Let's <not> important. Forget. <laughs> Let's not forget. This is Henry James Olsen. Um, you know, he does have one good point, though, Michael. He says, you know what? Why didn't you ever say these things to me? I'm like, ooh, maybe he's got a point. I, I know. You know, it, it's just like. You don't watch the lovey-dovey stuff you did in high school when you're an adult anymore, I guess. Huh? I, I I don't know. I I I think I think adults showing more te- than telling would probably be like, why would she have to say that to him? Hmm. The whole point of that letter was, you don't see me, but I'm in love with you. Why would you say that to somebody that you're <laughs> dating and are in love with? Yeah, that's true. Jimmy oh. is just the worst in this episode. And it doesn't get any better. No, it really doesn't. It, unfortunately, it really doesn't. But hey, you know what? That deleted scene I mentioned, it is here. It is Tess walking through the hallway with her assistant. And they basically said what I said earlier. Like, Dr. Cole thinks it's an alien origin. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, well, I know someone who can crack a computer. Blah, blah, blah. So we get that. And then they walk into the office and the episode continues. And then we see that Oliver Queen has left her a box with a dress. And of course, it's green. Because he's the green arrow. And he says, meet me at the eights of clubs. And... uh she tells her assistant to thank Oliver for the dress, but send her regrets because she's not going to go meet up with him. And, and I, I you know, I, I think that was interesting. Now that I'm, you know, getting season eight now, like I, I really like how they kind of tied her in with Oliver because Oliver was here before mm-hmm. that just kind of reinforces like how she has a place in this world because she is this new character. But, you know, I really do. I really do. I am really liking Tess here uh, in the early season. eight. What, what, what do you think of her, Michael? What do you think? I, of Tess, lo- I liked Tess from the beginning. Um, Mainly because I really liked Cassidy Freeman's portrayal of Tess. I, I think she she was writing that one. It's it's a very unenviable task. Okay, you're going to replace Michael Rosenbaum, who everyone loves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> but she she does so well, and she channels like it's like I don't know if she studied whatever, but like I can see like the Lex in her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in her performance and even the way she delivers lines and stuff like she just really owns the scenes. And I, I too, I was skeptical of obviously like half the cast leaving, but she's a strong character and a strong actress. And I'm really picking up what they're putting down. She is also fascinating because later in the in, in, in the rest of the series, she will change her hair and look like a completely different human being. That is true. I, she- I don't know how Cassidy Freeman does this. 
But she is the explanation for Clark Kent. She really is. <laughs> She's like that Zoe Deschanel picture, right? Where it's yeah. like the bangs and then the glasses and the no glasses. Yeah, but no, no, I see what you mean because they do the, a lot of looks for Tess. A lot of you know, I, you know, her eyeshadow gets less and less as the seasons mm-hmm. go on because she becomes less of a, a villain, if you will. Um, because we at this point we're like, what? What's her deal, right? Is she like Lex two point Is she good? Is she bad? But uh, but uh, Maxima. Shows up and by the way, Maxima is still in this. We kind of referenced earlier, but she's in this comic book esque looking costume. Yes, and uh, and they get her out of this and get her into this green dress because you know, you know, I buy it because she tracked where the beacon came from. I don't know why she just didn't teleport to that spot, but whatever. Uh, She eventually got to Smallville, found where the beacon came from, the Luther Mansion. Thinks Tess is like trying to steal the Kryptonian from her because she sees the note about the Ace of Clubs takes the dress. So you're going to wear this for him, takes the dress. And that explains, uh, her wardrobe for the, uh, for the rest of the episode. So the Ace of Clubs is one of my few things that I'm still like, mm. because in the comics, it was a kind of a dive bar. It was where it, Bibbo bought it after he won the lottery. Um, <laughs> And, and and kind of turned it into a nicer place. And it's where Jimmy stayed when he was temporarily homeless. And now it's this like ritzy kind of upscale dude bro uh, hookup. Uh, like, 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 you know, you walk into the comic book uh, Ace of Clubs. And if you asked for three quarters of the drinks that are probably on the Smallville's Ace of Clubs menu, you get beaten like immediately for even <laughs> just just asking for it. But, maybe you know, that whatever. should be on the Mount Rushmore of bad adaptations for small yeah, Ace of Clubs. Ace of Clubs, <laughs> we found, exactly. We found the last member. Uh, yeah, you know, Lois and Clark did it, right? Dive mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So there you go. Lois and Clark did Ace of Clubs right better and Mr. Mixes Fiddlick right better than Smallville. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, it was an odd choice. I never understood why they created this, but they, they keep using it because it's a set now. Uh, the set that, of course, used to be all of Queen's Loft, but... We digress. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We have Lois and Clark on, on the crime scene uh, of, of, mm-hmm. the, of the Wall Street guy's uh, death. And uh, Lois, you know, Lois is off talking to the cops and, and stuff. And, and Clark x-rays uh, the concrete. And he sees the symbol, right? So he clocks what the symbol is. And, uh, and Lois thinks it's a meteor freak because they found a trail of people from Metropolis to Smallville, which makes sense because that's where Maximum went because she showed up at Metropolis, went to Luther Mansion, and of course makes sense why Lois thinks it's a meteor freak. Maxima shows up at the Ace of Clubs and she observes all these people, you know, making out and all that stuff and and she hones in on Jimmy. Jimmy's there drinking a lot, talking to the bartender about his troubles. She thinks that Jimmy must be the Kryptonian because everyone else is here with someone and Jimmy is alone. (laughs) So I guess that's her deductive reasoning there. Can, can we also say that that bartender is giving the worst advice ever? <laughs> Just make her think that there's other women out there. That's really what you want to do to the woman you're engaged to. That's really going to solidify that relationship. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. This is why you're a bartender. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Bartenders are not therapists. I know some yeah. people think they may be, but they are not. Um, 
But hey, Chloe is uh, sitting at home watching her screensaver of some pictures of her and Jimmy because she's sad. Clark comes in. We get to shut that laptop plus one because Chloe <laughs> quickly shuts her laptop. Clark tells her, hey, I did some investigating. I found the symbol. And she starts spewing off all this stuff about where Maximus from and it's a royal crest. And she's the queen. Yeah, she's dropping all the knowledge. Uh, I like how Clark brings up that, okay, because obviously Brainiac has is, is affected her mind now and now she keeps getting smarter and smarter and that's been a, a theme going on throughout this season. Clark's like, I didn't realize it made you an intergalactic encyclopedia. And I like how they discuss this. She's like, Chloe, like, we don't, like, we gotta, we gotta get a handle on this. She's like, we don't know what's gonna happen. So don't worry about it. What what do you think of the subplot for, for Chloe? I, 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 they kept having to find things for Chloe to do. Exactly. Um, you know, she, she was, she was Oracle for 30 seconds in uh, season six. She will be again. Uh, don't worry. And then she will. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I get it. You know, well, that watchtower set was going unused. So yeah. they, they, <laughs> they wanted to bring that back. No, I, it, it's funny because it only makes sense that this happens in season eight. Like Chloe getting infected with Brainiac in like season four would have been bad. Like you would have been like, oh, that's too much. But it's season eight. You're like, whatever, you know. Right. Well, the problem is they had, and I always say this, but like Chloe was the show's Lois. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I guess we can't have two Loises, so let's just make Chloe not Lois anymore and make Lois Lois. It's like, okay, well, then we can do it with Chloe. I'm like, I don't know. Like, uh, she's a meter freak. <laughs> it's like, oh, I didn't like that either. So like this, this, this two and a half year subplot of Chloe being a meteor freak or brainiac. I didn't much care for. Um, they, they just, I don't know. Maybe they just got had them both work at the daily planet. There's a it, thought. It, 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 it is funny that she, she actually has the line. Oh, I haven't done this in a while. Basically gotten on a story and talked about, you know, whatever villain of the month, uh, villain of the week is. Yeah. Which used to be her entire her reason to be. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I can see, you see, in a way, I would see Chloe being jealous of Lois being much more reasonable than Jimmy being jealous of Clark. A thousand percent. A thousand percent, <laughs> right? Because he's like, you took my life, yeah. <laughs> you know, my dream life. But anyway, um, but we, we get a, 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 a report that there's a, a, a dead body businessman outside the Ace of Clubs. Mm -hmm. So Clark's like, I got to get to the Ace of Clubs. Uh, so so we, we get to the Ace of Clubs and. You know, we've referenced it a couple of times that this is, you know, J Jimmy is a bad fiance here, isn't he, Michael? Yeah, I mean, he's, I get, I get maybe going to drown your sorrows. The moment you start dancing with another woman, you're, you're heading into like kind of a bad territory. Now, as they will say later in the episode, apparently you just can't help but want to make out with Maxima. Which they didn't make entirely clear until then. Yeah. Like later, uh, like they should have been this clear before. And that was she's got a poison was, ivy thing going on. Yeah, and that was really to get Jimmy out of a jam. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, the that was the plot mechanics coming in and tweaking with things a little bit later in the episode. To, to would you just say this and it, it'll it'll be fine? We 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 well, can understand. Is she not like that in the comics? Uh, I mean, people are attracted to her just because she's a hot redhead. Yeah, it's not like uh, a it's not like a poison ivy like it's, pheromone. It's not thing like or... a pheromone thing. No. Okay, she, gotcha, gotcha. I, I mean, it's just like her entire reason to be is I'm going to find the most macho, powerful guy. It's like at the end of uh, she was in a, a storyline called Panic in the Sky, uh, mm -hmm. where she was a villain at first, uh, teaming up with Brainiac. Because uh, Brainiac had decimated Almorak with uh, with the War World, which he had taken over, 
and at the end of it, she's like looking at Orion, like maybe I want to try some of that on. Um, <laughs> so it's just it's just her thing. But no, they're I don't remember. They may have put it like you know they bring characters back and and do one off things with them in other books. Uh, but there was no pheromone things with uh with Maxima gotcha. in, to my memory. Gotcha. Well, Jimmy is is falling under her spell, pheromone or no, and uh, well, like, she's like going to kiss him, and then he stops. And like, wait, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, good for you, Jimmy. And then she's like, no, really, just one kiss. And she really comes on strong, and he, you know, he kisses he kisses her back. It's starting to get a little hot, heavy, and then of course, and then she sticks her tongue in his mouth, which I was like, wow, that's that that's pretty racy for CW. Hey man, they had some kissing on Smallville. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, it was it, it was getting racy, right? Um, but as as we saw with the Wall Street bro, uh Jimmy kind of stops and he's like, oh, 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 help me. Ah. And I love what she says. She says, You were so sweet. I really hoped you were the one. <laughs> I just found that amusing. Um, You're gonna die, but that's okay. Nothing I can do. But then Clark shows up at the club just the nick of time, super speeds in gets Jimmy out of there and she also having super speed sees him and, you know, bullet yeah, she, time. She, she, uh, she does a reverse Ezra Miller, uh, from justice league where he's running around Superman and Superman clocks him, uh, and turns his head. This is the reverse of that where <laughs> Clark is call. doing the super speed. I actually really liked how she turned around. I was like, Oh, that's a, cause I am not completely sold on that super speed effect specifically having like the air warping around him. I I agree. I don't really, I think they add that just kind of add something to it. Yeah. Like I, I never really liked that. I, I liked other people are just still and he mm-hmm. moves and you don't need to see the air moving or like, of course he just speeds through. But I, I felt like as the show went on and on, they felt like that was kind of like a, like a, like some kind of special effect cheat. Like, Oh, we'll just have air around him all the time. I, I, I agree with you. I'm not the biggest fan of that. Uh, just manifestation of that power either. But when she turns her head, I was just like, oh, I completely forgot that happened. That's really <laughs> awesome. That's why that we're doing that. <laughs> this is this is how she would figure it out because she would, because of her power set, she would notice mm-hmm. that somebody was, you know, running at that speed in the room. So, yeah, I was like, good on you, Smallville writers. I, th- I thought so, too. I like that. Uh, so, so then we get um, Tess coming out of the shadows of the Talon introduces herself to Chloe. You forget that like technically they haven't met yet, <laughs> you know, on the show, at least officially. And she, uh, introduces herself, but Chloe uh, quick, quickly, uh, shuts her down, you know, and she's like, I have a job for you. I want you to hack into something. And Chloe's like, you know, Lex actually put me away for doing that same thing. She's like, Oh, well, you know, I'm sure she tries to flatter Chloe. She's like, I'm sure you wouldn't hold, you know, what Lex did, uh, against me, I'm a new person, right? And and what what happens in here? Like, obviously, Chloe's not going to help her. So then, Tess drops like personal information. She's like, "Oh, are you too busy planning your wedding or running the ISIS Foundation?" As if that's some sort of threat to have public knowledge of what Chloe does. <laughs> I didn't understand how that was a threat. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, everybody knows this, right? More than anything, I loved that she's like, "Look," and she doesn't actually say this, but this is what I was thinking. Look, Lionel Luther tried to have me killed. Now, I had Thanksgiving dinner with him three years later. We're not going to talk about that. But still, <laughs> Lionel yes. Luther tried to have me killed to the point where I had to fake my own death. 
And Lex put me through the ringer on several occasions. There is absolutely nothing you can do to me that is going to be scarier than any of that. I love how she just shuts her down. Like, Chloe is not scared of this woman at all. Yeah. And and I was just like, that's a, that's a really good character moment for Chloe. Because, uh, one, it pays attention to continuity, like the sh- the, this episode has been doing very well. But also, Tess is coming on like Lex Luthor. Yeah. She is pulling the Lex thing, and she has to... I think this is a lesson that, you know, a lot of people have seen Lex's bag of tricks. So uh, you may want to up your game a little bit or and change you need it. A new playbook, yeah. <laughs> so, and then you know, did was she just breaking entering? No, because let's not forget that the Luthers own the talent, so she owns that building. Think about that. Yeah, who are they playing rent to? I'm sure Lex just let Lana live there for free, but all these other people, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> let's not look too closely at the talent in the early part of that show. <laughs> Almost everyone has lived there. Um, so then we get to a uh, uh, hospital, hospital visit plus one. Uh, Jimmy's there. And then like Jimmy's like, oh man, CK, I messed up, man. All those drinks. I'm like, are we really, are we blaming the drinks now? <laughs> really? Is, is that what you're, is that where we're going with Jimmy? Yeah. It's like, don't worry. He'll be a drug addict later this season. So, um, <sighs> prescription drugs, no less. But, uh, yes. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy tells Clark, oh, it all started because this letter. I found this old love letter that Chloe wrote, right? And then and the car's like, oh, and then and then they just go on and on about like, oh, you, the, the person never really gets over the first love, huh? And they're, they're spending a lot of time again. They're spending a lot of time talking about these themes. And, you know, it, I don't it, it does work for me. Right. I don't know if people would actually talk this way, but it, I, I understand what they're trying to communicate through here. And again, living in the shadow of Lana trying to get over it. You know, the, the thing about this show that I think some people didn't understand is that it is a network show key to a certain demographic. Now, you could argue that the writing could always be better, but there's certain tropes. And I know nowadays trope is like a bad word because people don't understand what a trope actually is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so they're going to demonize it when it's not really. But there's certain, there's certain things that these shows do because it's geared towards kind of a younger audience. You know, teenage into early 20s and 30s. And in those shows, people have conversations like this. Now, you can say that's not realistic. And I will point out that this is a show about a Kryptonian that grew up in Smallville that doesn't exist. Everything about this show doesn't exist. Metropolis (laughs) does not exist. Uh, And then they would shoot back. Well, they can make it as realistic as possible. Again, this show is it's got a a thing to do for the network. So they're going to do this. And the fact that the writers and the showrunners make it at least entertaining. Uh, And again, like you said, it's playing into the deeper themes. It's Clark realizing, oh, I may have to get over Lana. Meanwhile, Jimmy's just like, Chloe, uh, I can't deal with the fact that Chloe had a crush on you and you guys never really had a relationship. And maybe that's what's really getting to him. Because they didn't have a relationship. So mm. maybe it's just like at some point are they going to pull the trigger on this and then I'm out of here? Yeah, it's, it's like something like happened and was resolved. It was always yeah. just vague. <laughs> but I, I do think it's amusing that they're playing Chloe. Clark is Chloe's first big love. And I'm just like, <laughs> she had a crush on him, but they they really went to the friend level and continued there for a long time. And I... 
And I well, they went to it. they went to the spring formal. Yeah, so they were they were sort of dating at the end of season one a little yeah. bit. Went Chloe got all defensive and played the the friend card because yeah. she didn't want to get hurt. And that was pretty much it. I mean, they they did you know they they had some make they like made out I think like once a season because of like mind control and things yeah. like that. They now they did have what I think is like one of the most epic kisses on the show at the end of season five when he's going off to to fight Zod possessed Lex, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they you know they have this awesome kiss and, and the Daily Planet and it's great and he runs off and and then of course he comes back from the Phantom Zone. He's like, hey Chloe, we should talk about that. And then Jimmy shows up. He's like, hey, what's up? And Clark's like, oh well, never mind then. <laughs> And that was like how they resolved that. I guess we're never going to talk about this again. I okay. guess no. That was kind of we had this moment, you know. And I don't know. And I, and I think that's like the show just never. I, they could they could have had Clark date Chloe at some point on the show, like legit, you know. I don't know, like especially like I season was, six or seven, even. So I'm going to tell you, first four years, I was always more of a Chloe guy. Thousand um, percent. That's me, j- man. I just yeah. uh, and and it's and it's not nothing against Kristen Crook as a performer. They did things to Lana that are just weird. And oh, yeah, the fa- like, like being a witch. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then, you know, she's a vampire for one of the worst episodes of the entire run. Um, but it's just like, I, I wish, and I get it that when you're a teenager, the person that seems to be most compatible with you is not the one you're in love with. I get that. And Lana was the one he had a crush on and stalked. Uh, yeah. through his entire teenage years. Boy, that telescope did not age telescope well. Telescope does not age well. <laughs> no, not at all. There, 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 there's nothing about that. Uh, however, uh, it played out the way it played out, and Chloe got to, <laughs> Chloe got the last laugh because she was there all 10 seasons. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So. And she ended up with Oliver Queen, so it all worked out for Chloe. Didn't get Superman, but basically got this universe as Batman. So all you know, all this insecurity Jimmy's worried about, you don't even know, bro. <laughs> there is a Silver Age uh, cover uh, that I will try to remember to send you. That literally, oh, I think ha- I know the one. Is it the Aquaman, Green Arrow, Aquaman Batman, and Green Arrow making out with Lois? <laughs> I was just like, wow, did they do this as a playbook? I mean, <laughs> so. oh man, no. I I, actually, I really like uh, Green Arrow and Lois, and we talked about it in the yep. last episode because it's uh that, that's an episode of you know Oliver Queen and and, and Lois have have some moments. Uh, actually, it's, it, that you know I mentioned it in, but like <laughs> that that episode where Oliver's all like kind of passed out and Lois is talking to him, like that reminds me a lot of when Clark was all passed out and Chloe mm-hmm. was talking to him. But anyway, anyway, that got me thinking about this episode because of the fever letter. But okay, anyway, Clark knows what's up. He's like, Jimmy, I saw you there with another woman. He's like, oh, man, I'm sorry, CK. I'll just blah, blah. So, so Clark tells him, you you weren't in control. And I'm yeah. like, okay. We're we'll letting with Jimmy that. off really light on this one. Well, well even more so because then Chloe comes in and she's like, oh, my God, what happened? And, and Jimmy looks all like nervous at Clark and Clark's got his boys back. He's like, oh, something went down, but he's, he's fine. You know, and he kind of looks, he looks at Jimmy and as he leaves, like, I got you, man. You owe me one. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that does remind me, though, the thing that I noticed more more in this episode that kind of made me laugh is how many scenes ended with just a character looking, just just the character looking, not saying anything, just having an expression. And, you know, usually it was Clark, like, cocking his head, like, huh? You know, which he did beautifully in the in the crisis episode. Uh, (laughs) I really appreciate it. Uh, I really appreciated that. But it's just like I get Clark doing it. I don't want to see Jimmy doing it. And they did it a lot with Jimmy in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jimmy. 
But then we get Clark back at the Daily Planet uh, doing the enhance, enhance, enhance thing. As we all know, it doesn't work <laughs> in the real world. But nope. it's, that is a trope, Michael, to your point. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that is. My first question was, how did he get the security footage mm. from the Ace of Clubs? And but the answer is, of course, Chloe hacked it for him. There you go. Uh, Problem and, solved. You know, everything's digital nowadays, so it's easy to get it. But yeah, him trying to wait that one moment when she turns her head so that he can get like, doesn't <laughs> work that way. <laughs> No, and but but he she she does uh, she does turn her head and and that was strange to me that why why does that I guess they just wanted a reason for Clark to go back to the Daily Planet to be by himself which mm-hmm. one is odd no one is at the Daily Planet at all at all you know major metropolitan newspaper no one is there at all on the bullpen I don't know what day of the week this is but whatever and then like he didn't why did he even need to see her face because she shows up immediately yeah it's it, it, it's interesting. Mainly because I guess she shows up so he could look at the picture and go, oh, it is you. <laughs> I can't. I think he would have figured that out. Not when that she... she doesn't introduce herself almost immediately uh, by, you know, making out with him. Oh, I, you know, I do love she, when she shows up, she says, Clark Kent. That's a strong name. I like it. I'm like, that is a strong name. You know, it's those consonants, you know. So Clark I never Nable really heard and Kent Taylor. There you go. Man. I, I just never I never heard someone like, I guess, say it that way before, like. The bit comment on it, I'm like, yeah, that's that's a, that's a strong name there. Um, but yeah, they start making up. I guess this is, you know, I got this category on the tally board under the influence. I guess I should count them since they're all under the influence now. So we got three of those now. We got Wall Street Bro, Jimmy, and Al Clark because they are immediately under the, the thrall of of uh, Maxima here, and they start they start getting really hot and heavy. Clark's like knocks all the stuff off his desk, and they're going to consummate pretty soon. And then she's like, no, not here. <laughs> and then they go to the elevator. Because because that's that's more romantic. You know, it really doesn't take much for Clark to get into it. It's like no. every time his, he, he's like taking it. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. Or or what's her name? Um, yeah. Red Kryptonite with. Uh, God, why can't I remember that blonde girl's name? Alicia. Alicia, who I liked, uh, oh, yeah. even though she, even though she was Alicia. even though she was objectively a terrible person. I still liked her. But uh, yeah, when Clark may not be into it, but man, you you just get that one thing, and then suddenly he's he's clearing off a table like <laughs> a desk, like you know, Clark, you you have super speed and an empty house. Look, I'm, I'm sure he saying, saw that on TV once and thought, all right, if I'm uh, never given the opportunity. <laughs> I want to know. I want to. I want to be like the 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 maintenance guy that comes in the next morning. It's like, what the hell happened what the here? What is Clark Kent doing? <laughs> Got a new computer. But yeah, him him and Maximus start getting hot and heavy, and it's you know it's 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 hot and heavy. You know, it's it's uh that's what the that's what they're there for, right? Maxima, yep. this character, yep. this episode, that, and. That uh, is- I uh, got got a little bit of uh, Clark with the shirt off. Oh yeah, yeah, got ripped up on that yeah. shirt. Yeah, I got some abs. I got some leg action. It's 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 good stuff. Uh, and then of course, of course, who opens these elevator doors but Lois yep. <laughs> and sees them making out, and she's so mad. And I'm thinking to myself, Clark is just doing exactly what you told him to do earlier in the episode, Lois. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, <laughs> I, I I honestly think though, it wasn't so much jealousy, though there was probably a little bit of jealousy. I think it's more. This is really out of character for him. Well, and I and Terry Hatcher did kind of the same thing in in early episodes of of Lois and Clark, where Clark was with somebody else, 
but yeah, I, I actually kind of liked it because it's what broke him out of it. That's and, right. Yeah. And they and they talk about that. And Maxima specifically talks about it, that there had to be something there because I got the mojo. I've got <laughs> I've got pheromones that, you know, will will make men, you know, crawl, you know, die, basically. Yeah. Uh, unless they're, you know, Kryptonian. Though it was interesting, she's like, I've read of Kryptonian where men are men, and I'm like, you know, I've seen the flashbacks of Krypton. Yeah. I'm not getting a whole lot of that. Maybe maybe she, she read about uh, Zack Snyder's Krypton, but no, yeah. not, not, not Smallville's Krypton. <laughs> not Smallville's Krypton, yeah. No, but no, I like that, though. I do like how, like, seeing Lois and, like, kind of broke him out of it. So, obviously, you know, he's got some feelings down there, obviously, for Lois. as we, Even though they, they deny it, and they'll do it here in a second, they're like, they just, that got exhausting to me. Like, it's isn't it a joke? That they don't like each other, but they're going to follow. Like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Sure. Yeah. They, they play that hand one too many times. But uh, I do. I really love this exchange here because because Maxwell runs off, I guess. And uh, and Clark's like, where'd she go? <laughs> and Lois is like, probably go get you a hotel room. But he's like, you, calm down. She's like, I am calm. I am perfectly calm. And she starts like punching his, his, his chest. And that, that, that's just a great little moment between the two of them. And um, I, I, I just enjoyed that interplay. They had really good chemistry right from the beginning. I, uh, you know, uh, you know, even going back to like season four or five where they were more antagonistic towards each other, like she was just kind of the annoying little sister almost. Well, see, uh, I, I I thought they had that like they almost did that too much where it was almost brotherly sisterly. Yeah. And I was like, could you tone back on a little bit? Because I do want them to be, <laughs> be a couple be down the road. It's, it's a little creepy. But no, <laughs> I, I think as as actors, they have mm. they had a really good rapport with each other. Uh, which again is why it works so well, and, and you know if you don't have that, it's not gonna that relationship isn't going to work at all. Right. I recently took a tumble at work and hurt myself, so now when I see like this episode is full of people getting like thrown around. <laughs> oh gosh, yes. And, and and it's just like, why are they getting up? Because I just wanted to lay down and not get up after something like that happened. And Lois is thrown in her car. <laughs> I thought for sure, because I didn't remember this episode very well. I'm like, oh, then Lois is going to be in the hospital next, right? Yeah. No, no. No, she's fine. She just kicks her way out of uh, out of the thing. It's just like, no. This car, Not at all. This car went from like across the street, upside down on yeah. the top of two other cars. You, yeah. you would at least be knocked out. Uh, for a show where people get knocked out all the time, for mm-hmm. much less, she's totally concussed. There's no way she is, just gets up out of that car, <laughs> which she does. And not only that, she kicks her way out of the window. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And it, then we... Uh, in a show, though, Michael, as you said, none of this exists, and it's all real, very unrealistic. That That's the most unrealistic thing on the show, on this episode. Yeah. That right there. Everybody everybody has their bridge too far. Um, <laughs> By the apparently. way, does she not have, like, the best parking spot ever at the Daily Planet? <laughs> I don't know right how outside. she's parked there. It's just, it's like that episode of Lois and Clark where Jimmy's, uh, it was the one where Mason Drake was killed. Mm. Uh, and Jimmy's car is taken over and his car is parked. He's like literally parked right outside the Daily Planet. It's like, okay, one, Jimmy, you're like a 24 year old kid with a car that is way too good for your pay range. Uh, so whatever. But man, that's a, like, how how did you get that? Do you show up you show at five like five in the morning? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm going to get this one. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, that's good. But um, 
Yeah, yeah, like you said, Lois, she just kicks her way out of this car, and then she has to say, there is nothing romantic between Lois and Clark. I'm like, yeah, we get it. Uh, yeah. We get it, Joe. <laughs> there is. And even Max was like, you may not know it yet, or realize it, but it's the only way that Clark was able to, or whatever. Which is she's why like, I yeah. have to murder you. Yeah, she's like, I have to kill you, you know? So, anyway... Because they're, 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 you know, she 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 senses that bond right between the two of them, and she wants to end it. And that 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 is, that is our you know our new driving force uh, for Maxima. And then the SWAT team shows up. Well, not the SWAT team. I thought they were Mercy, uh, not Mercy. Uh, I thought they were Tessa's private army because they call well, her. Yeah, no, I was confused. I was like, is this like the police? But then later on, she gets a call. I'm like, oh, this was her people, you know. Uh, so we, we, we can only, we, they only hint at like what she did, but I thought it was an effective cutaway of like, Oh, she's going to own all these people. Right. Um, but then, uh, Clark arrives at ISIS and Tess is there and they have a good back and forth. And he's like, Oh, uh, how'd you get behind a locked door? <laughs> you know, and she's like, are what sure are you doing it's ISIS? Here? Cause it really looked like a redressed daily planet set. No, um, this is, this is the ISIS apartment. This is yeah. a set and they use this for all apartments. Uh, if anyone is ever in an apartment setting of some kind, they use this. And um, I think they even th- this. No, I was going to say this might even become the brownstone for the JSA. But no, that's a redress Luther mansion. But no, this this is its own set. I I, I, I am in awe, by the way, of you being able to have watched it enough to notice these things. Because uh, <laughs> that's that, that that that's not my wheelhouse for this particular show. But yeah, I, 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 I'm impressed because I would have never I've never clocked that. I would never clocked that the Ace of Clubs was Oliver's apartment. Uh, and yet here we are. <laughs> well, it's, it's a combination of watching the show a lot and then also all the behind the scenes stuff I read. <laughs> but yes, thank <laughs> no, you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what a way. The thing, and I say, I say this too often too, but you know, new people on every episode, I like to talk to you about it. But like the irony is like they built Oliver Queen's loft, right? For season six, right? Mm-hmm. They had it all through season seven. And then at the end of season seven, they turn into the Ace of Clubs. And then who comes back as a main character the next year, Oliver Queen. But guess what? He has nowhere to live. <laughs> Because they they changed his set, and now he lives on his plane, and you never see him anywhere else but his plane after this, because he has no apartment anymore. But anyway, this is a good back and forth between Lex and uh, Lex. Listen to me, right? Tess, Tess and Clark. Clark's getting to be a better liar, and Tess is being very Lex. And but uh, she sees the picture that Clark has. I guess that that's why. That's what it is, Michael. That's why we had Clark. Yeah, because that is Hanson that Hanson. is Chekhov's picture. Yeah. Um, you you do not have a picture of the character if you're not going to show it later in the in the in the story. Yeah, she's she uh, she does say that she had a close encounter with her earlier, which that's funny because she's an alien. I thought that uh-huh. was a, a fun reference. Um, but then uh, she shows Clark the uh, she's being surprisingly honest with him, probably because she knows that he knows more than he's saying, and she wants to see what he says. But yeah, she shows him the fortress disc. She's like, oh, she's like, oh yeah, that's uh, the last the last thing we found in uh, where Lex was, and uh, Clark's like, I've never seen that before. So he's he's become a, he's become a good liar. Um, but th- that's when the SWAT team calls Tess, and Clark uses his superheroing to uh, to listen, and we we see that it's a BlackBerry. <laughs> Just, mm-hmm. I don't really kind of count that as product placement, but but then. Uh, Clark hears what's going down and he super speeds out to the street and Maxima has wiped out the SWAT team and she's about to kill Lois and Lois is like, bring it, bitch. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. Lois is ready. Lois is pretty fierce. Yeah. She Good thing Clark's because she would have been dead immediately. Yes. 
<laughs> but the red blue blur is here, man. The blue, the blue shirt, red jacket that, is back. Clark's in his costume, and he, he super speeds her off to an alley. So, and this is where is the only part of the episode where I felt like it it kind of let me down a little because they get rid of Maxima really quick in this scene. Like her and Clark, like basically have a conversation, and she's like back. You know, she's taken back to her world. And I'm like, and I look, and I literally paused my phone, touched my phone to pause it. I'm like, there's like 10 more minutes of this episode. Is this an episode of Supergirl? Because that's what the pacing felt like. The, the last act is all resolution. Yeah. It's all cleanup. It's all wrap up. But you're right, though. I was like, okay, did they set up how she teleported with her bracelet? Is that something that Chloe said earlier, maybe? That came out of nowhere. Okay, um, I was like, did I miss this? Because I've seen this episode a couple times now. I don't remember the ever establishing. To bet, I'm willing to bet that there was probably something in like the, not even a deleted scene, but like an early draft of the script. And certain things just stick around that don't make any sense because the script changed and it wasn't a thing. But yeah, her just, like there isn't even like a big fight between the two of them. Not that I wanted to see them like wailing on each other. Uh, in any sense, um, you know, Clark and Lois all the way. But I was just like, when she disappeared, I was just like, that that's it? I I shaved my legs for this? I mean, what? what okay, that's fine. Let's <laughs> let's see what the rest of this episode is like. And it is a lot of Dinama. <laughs> no, they um you know, they 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 kind of focus on her bracelet earlier when they're when they're getting hot and heavy in the elevator. Mm. And I was like, oh, is this going to play into something? And I'm like, no, it didn't. And, and then there there it was. And um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, I um, I, I like what they say. I, obviously, she's kind of, she's turned on that Clark, like, you know, super speeds her over there. She's like, oh, the men on my planet, they have no stamina and they're so weak and you're so strong. She's all turned on by that. Talks about the stories of the guys from Krypton that you mentioned. And she, she had, when she heard that Krypton had been destroyed, she pr- prayed that there'd be survivors, right? So she was sad about that, and she found the last on Krypton. And then she says, quote, you're as desperate as I am for a mate. I'm like, God. Is it really that obvious? Clark's like, is it really that obvious? But aren't we all? I mean, it's just... <laughs> but I thought this was a good temptation for Clark, because she's mm-hmm. like, hey, you're going to be alone, but if you come with me, you'll never be alone again, and um, but he's like, she's like, well, we're, are, we're destined to be together. And he's like, no, my destiny's here. And you flicks that switch on her bracelet. And then she goes off the way she came. And I guess she can't come back. I don't know. And that's that. So it did, it did feel like they were setting up that she would come back again. It just never happened. They lit Clark uh, literally says to Lois later, I doubt we've seen the last of her. You know, <laughs> like, I, I don't know if it was a story thing or an actress availability thing, but I, I would have loved to see her back. I, I really, I enjoyed her character and her performance. I know it's kind of a one note thing, so you'd have to be more creative to bring her back and do, she can't just be doing the same thing again. Maybe she comes back with Lobo. Who knows? So, or she comes back and it's because she's gotten like, like the mate she chose is just not a good guy. And she kind of needs Superman Clark's help to, to save her. See, the thing is, is that Smallville was set up that you could do one-off episodes as long as you talked about the caves or the stones or, in this case, you know, the, the, the blue crystal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as long as you had a scene of that, you you know, it, it, it kept on with the rest of the season. But, yeah, I was surprised that she never came back. Yeah. Yeah. 
But meanwhile, uh, Chloe figured out that Maxima kissed Jimmy. One, one looks at his toxicology or whatever, because she's, you know, science whiz now. And so, but but she's like, ah, but, you know, it can't be too hard on him. You know, he was, you know, under the influence there. And, and then uh, Clark's like, uh, he said something about a letter. <laughs> right. And then she hands Clark the letter. What did you think of this? Uh, I was just like, wow, um, he's conscious and reading it. Uh, this this is new for him. Six years <laughs> in the this making. letter. No, it is. I, I thought it was kind of sweet. Like, she's just like, I wrote this, you know, at a, at a, she, she, it even reads like a 15 year old wrote it. Um, God, we were dumb. Um, no, that's not <laughs> fair. Uh, but no, I, I, I kind of like this scene, even though, again, they let Jimmy off way too easy oh yeah big time although clark has done horrible things too under like red kryptonite and they let him off easy all the time so that is uh, true you know he's and and then and then they were all hopped up on uh parasites and yes necks and (laughs) they've all been there you know what i'm saying so i get it everybody gets one everybody gets one (laughs) that's right spider-man everybody gets one uh but she does tell clark's like don't worry i don't feel that way now you know, and she's like, you missed out, buddy. And he's like, oh, I just want you to be happy, Chloe. So and they're, and they're BFFs. W- w- she says BFFs. I was like, I, what year was this? I guess this is when BFF was just becoming a term. Yes, it was. Uh, right. What a hot new term, hot new lingo from uh, the latest Smallville. But uh, I don't know. I thought this, they, they. It's like the show ran along enough where they knew they had all this complicated stuff with these relationships that kind of needed to clean up. So I, I do appreciate them trying to clean this up because it was very ambiguous and strange, like Clark and Chloe's relationship. They obviously were like they cared for each other very deeply and they were extremely compatible. And I like you, I was a huge, you know, Chloe fan. And I was in love with Chloe and Allison Mack right back at the time. Right. And you know, I was a big Clark and Chloe shipper. And um, but they, they clean that up here and they'll, and they'll do something similar in season nine with with Oliver and chloe and clark and lois there and i'm like i appreciate the attempts to just kind of clean up the, all this messy relationship stuff they have from from leftover things here so and, it, and it's also nice to see a healthy friendship between a man and a woman that yes. isn't uh immediately sexual yes for sure even though she had a crush on him that the fact that they didn't have a relationship actually probably makes them stronger friends yeah that's true no that's an excellent point as well so that's a whole nother component that, that, that is not there for this. And, uh, you know, Clark's excited because he's like, hey, you know what? Uh, Jarrell created Brainiac, which I know they, they established Mark McClure's Daxer last season yep. as being the creator of Brainiac. Although they had before that had also said Jarrell had created Brainiac. So that's that I'm, there was a team of scientists. <laughs> and Jarrell was on that team. Anyway, he created Brainiac and Clark knows that the fortress, you know, crystal with the Jorel AI is there. So he's like, hey, we can get this and and rebuild the fortress and Jarrell can help get Brainiac out of your head. Uh, so they're like, we, we got to get you to work on that, you know, working on that computer. Cause Chloe's like, that must've been the computer they, that the test wanted me to do. Right. So and Clark says he can't find the disc. He looked everywhere. Michael, he looked at the daily planet, mm-hmm. he looked at the mansion. It is nowhere to be found. Right. Like that's interesting. So that's yeah. The, the nice breaking and entering there, Clark. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did you really look everywhere? But anyway, uh, so we got speaking of the mansion, we cut the Luther Mansion. Tess is uh, doing kickboxing. You know, Lex used to fence. Tess kickboxes. I like how she does similar things, but they're not exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, she does mention to Chloe, like because Chloe comes to see her, she's like, "Oh, 
Miss Sullivan, like, you ever try kickboxing? It, it works out a lot of anger. She's like, oh, I need to do a lot of <laughs> kickboxing right now. <laughs> and uh, she asked to, hey, get that job about the the computer. Like, hey, I'm here. Since I'm here, you know. Um, oh, also, don't break and enter my ISIS foundation anymore. <laughs> so yeah. there's some mutual respect here, I think, game from both of them. So it was it was good. They had some they had some great scenes, uh, but we find out ultimately that the um, the fortress crystal has gone missing. Yep. So and I was like, is it really missing? Is she saying this? But we'll find out in a second that it really is missing. And I think uh, this is this must be I, I, this kickboxing of of Tess. I think it's in the opening credits. Uh, if not this season, the next season, because I remember I th- like seeing I, I her in this right. kickboxing outfit, and I, I just don't know which season it is, honestly. So, but then we get that uh, Lois comes to visit Clark at the at the farm, and uh, this is what Clark drops. That I'm afraid this may not be the last we've seen of her, because they're like, well, Lois says it looks like Maximus dropped off the face of the earth, and it is the last we see of her. And then they have their their soulmate talk, and interesting. Clark says like, Chloe was right there in front of me, and I. Never realized how she felt, and, and even earlier, Clark was like, "Wow, I, I never, I mean, I, I had my suspicions." I'm like, come on, y'all, you knew, you knew, Clark. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I will say that this scene in the loft has the most unconvincing backdrop out the window. Oh, you think so? The uh, blue screen's not working for you there. Yeah, right? that that. Because <laughs> here's the thing, and and I and I have talked about this with other people who love the show. The the secret of of set design is that I totally bought that the loft in the barn was a barn and a loft. Uh, I know it's a set. I get that, but it looked so it was so well constructed and the way they filmed everything, I believed it was inside that barn that was outside the Kent house. Um, it wasn't, but that's okay. Uh, I, I will say one thing though, with, with Tess is uh, immediately when, the blue thing comes in and it signs X. I suddenly started hearing DMX. Uh, and X, X going to give it to you. you. <laughs> X going to give it to you. Going to give it to you. X going to give it to you. <laughs> so, but no, I, I you know, it, it's, they did the long game with the Lois and Clark relationship on this show. And I think it is kind of sometimes painful to watch when you're rewatching the show. Because you just like get to it. Come on. Please, for the love of God, I we know where this is going. <laughs> no, no, I, I could not agree with you more. Like it's just she'd been on the show now for four, five, yeah. six. So this is her fifth season on the show. Mm-hmm. It's like, y'all come on now, you know, because like even mentioned like because Clark says what he says and then he's like, oh, what did Maxima tell you? She's like, oh, nothing for the front page. <laughs> it's just like, can you guys just be honest and get on with it? But, you know, I didn't want them to like. It would have felt disingenuous for them to just kind of jump into being in a relationship after all these years of them being like, we don't like each other, bah! right? So that there needed to be a transition. In, and this is this is that transition, season eight, especially the first half of season eight. Mm-hmm. So, oh, oh, and then I guess there's a there's a final reference of, of, of the move-in thing. Clark's like, hey, Lois, you know, uh, if you can have your own room, old room back if you want. And she's like, nah, I'm good. Like, we were roommates once. We didn't work out. So let's, let's, not, let's not test that again. And I think... That's smart, especially because if they have these blooming feelings for each other, that would be a very... That would be awkward. That would not be good. <laughs> and, be and, good. And, and, and it, there's no comedy to be had about them being in the bathroom together and Martha showing up. So That's right. No one is there to... Uh, <laughs> no one to, is there to, to find them in the to, to have that threes company Mr. Furley moment. Uh, 
but then we get our you know an X Files ending for the show, mm-hmm. literally with the X. <laughs> And we get to test at the, at the Luther Mansion on her laptop. She gets an email looking for this, and it's you know the Fortress Crystal. But no, it's the Fortress Crystal screensaver, is what that was. <laughs> it's it's right. But then we get a message: you were not ready yet, X. And you're like, Lex. Now, writer Al Septian made a tweet saying that. As Lex, X, recovered, his people stole it from Tess, and he sent it to Clark, hoping it would finish him by sending him to the Phantom Zone. Because, yes, the next time we see this is is Clark gets a package at his house and opens it up, and it sends him and Lois to the Phantom Zone, because Lois is there. And I thought that was, oh, that was never on screen anywhere. (laughs) You know, or, or established. And this is this whole, like, this is the phase of the show. I completely forgot about the whole X thing. Like X is Lex. It's never established, but I guess it is. Uh, by the writers anyway. I completely forgot about that. And this is back when they didn't know, like, what are we going to do? Like, is, is Michael going to come back? Or like, are we going to just, is he never coming back? So they kept his presence in the show enough here, especially in season eight. And this was that. Uh, and I I don't know. Like, I, I guess they had to get rid of the crystal somehow and postpone that for a while. But. That was I had never read that video tribute before until I did a little research because I was like, why did the crystal send him to the Phantom Zone <laughs> when he gets it later? But anyway, that was all set up here in the writer's room, apparently, if not on screen. The Superman legend begins in a place called Smallville. You ever feel like your life was supposed to be something different? Secrets. I don't want any record that I was here. Loyalty. I never bet against Clark Kent. Betrayal. What do you want? The world, Mrs. Kent. Destiny. Maybe it's time I stop running from who I really am. Clark Kent, will you marry me? Now you can own every action-packed episode. Doomsday is coming. Plus never-before-seen bonus features. Smallville, own season eight on Blu-ray and DVD. Instinct got a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb. And Neil Bailey from the Superman homepage gave it a 1 out of 5. Not a fan and Michael, you know, I, I've been meaning to ask you this. Do people ever get you confused with Neil Bailey from the Superman home bitch? Uh, it, there was a running gag there that we were brothers. Um, <laughs> no relation, though. Yeah, no no relation at all. Good guy. Good friend. Uh, but I, I will be the first to tell Neil that he is way too hard on this show. <laughs> he is. Um, it, 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 you, you'd be surprised. Uh, the la- last week, um, four out of five. <laughs> so he's all the place. He, he went through um, kind of a rut of really not liking Smallville, especially in six or seven. But uh, I, I used to read his reviews, yeah. Uh, well, all the time, you know. Yeah, but um, but he and he and Scotty V, who took over for him, yeah. in the later episodes, uh, they both came at this show from a very specific viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And again, I love both of those guys to death. I've hung out with them, had beers with them, hung out in Metropolis, Illinois. You know, you bond with people like that. Mm-hmm. Neil and I have been bouncing around together on the homepage for two decades now. <laughs> uh, and But I will be the first to look at him and go, you wanted something out of this show that this show was never going to be. Mm. <laughs> so so him giving this one a one does not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that being said, Michael, uh, on the letter grade scale, so we do here for our grades, what would you give Instinct? Uh, a B plus only because of the crap they let Jimmy get away with. Uh, that is what keeps it from being an A. 
to me. It's just like you you let Jimmy off way too too easy. So I am the same as you. I am in alignment B plus for me as well. Uh, this was a very entertaining episode. I like that it had a an overarching theme. All the plots kind of touched on the same thing. Uh, Maxima bringing her into live action, adapting from the comics, doing a very good job at it as well. Don't take that for granted. You know, when when they when they adapt, to, they do a good job most of the time. But don't take it for granted because you know, we, we, as we were joking earlier, they they've had some swings and misses. But this was a hit as far as uh, adapting comic character. This is the small version of Maxima fit right in with the universe they made. And uh, this was a good entertaining episode. So B pluses all around. No, this was, you know, sometimes watching like kind of a random episode of Smallville uh, that isn't like a uh, like a true mythology episode mm-hmm. can be a dodgy proposition. But no, <laughs> I, I think I, I, I think Maxima was. And it was really, you know, the writing was kind of thin, but the performance wasn't. And I like this stuff between Clark and Lois and I hated this stuff with Jimmy. Um, and I like stuff with Chloe and Clark and God, I like Tess from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I really did. She was just, she was really a, like we said earlier, not only are you coming into a show in season, you know, she came in in season eight, right? Yeah. Right. Cause season seven was the shorter season. I'm, I'm my timeline's messing up. Not only are you coming into a show in season eight, a show that is extremely popular, but you are replacing one of the most popular characters. And is it unfair to say she was replacing him? No, because that's what Tess was supposed <laughs> she's to be. She's sitting at his desk. There are multiple yeah. desks. You know, she's, she's living in the mansion. She's doing all the Lex stuff. But, and and they, like, like Chloe, Tess went through some, permutations yeah but i i just like cassidy freeman right from the beginning and i and we chatted a little bit about this uh off air when we were doing the flash thing she's she's on the righteous gemstones and she's just great on that show yeah no i, I need to check that out uh I, i've obviously smuggle has made me a cassidy freeman fan and i've heard good things about that show so she, she like all the rest of the cast of smallville i think except tom willing was in a christmas movie yeah, I need I need to look I need to, I need to look these up. I, you know, our our friends at Alice on the Arrow love their Hallmark movies, and and uh, we we talk a lot about perhaps uh, covering some of that stuff one day. And uh, oh, it, it is it is my it's a game when my wife and I used to watch a lot of those. I was always trying to spot the um, the uh, the Smallville or the Superman. Just spot the Superman room. Like there's one with Brandon Routh. So that's really, Oh obvious. yeah. Nine, nine lives of Christmas. I know it well, <laughs> but there is one with Sean Ashmore that if I'm correct, and it may not be that one, Sean or Aaron Ashmore, uh, whoever played Jimmy, that's, uh, uh, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Sean, Ashmore, Sean was, me. uh, and leech and, uh, silent. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ice and Man. it may not, and it may not be this one, but I think it is because the guy, that played the bro that tried to assault Lana in season two shows oh, up. Okay. Okay. And I'm like, I know that dude. I know that dude. So of course I go to IMDB and it's just like, Oh yeah, it's that guy. Uh, he was also an episode of Supergirl talking to Sam Witwer in a scene. And that made me freak out a little, uh, you know, like a Smallville reunion, even Crossing though he wasn't there. like, a, even though he wasn't a major character on Smallville, he just 
was the guy that Clark threw into a police car. Right. No, uh, so, so many of those uh, day players and not day yeah. players, but, you know, local actors up there. They, they, you see him in Supernatural. You see him in Small. You see him in The Flash. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that guy. You know, so. it's, it's like watching Law and Order. Yeah. I mean, you, you see the same New York actors again and again. And it's kind of funny to then watch like shows like Banshee, uh, which was a Cinemax show which all of their casting had to be out of New York because there's so many Law & Order uh, crossovers there. And Newsroom's the same way. I don't know why I'm talking about other shows when we have a perfectly good show to talk about here. <laughs> no, this was a good episode. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I was happy to, to pull this one. For sure. The tally board, we have a plus one for hospital visit because Jimmy goes to the hospital. That brings us to 119. We have a plus one for Lois arm punches because Lois... Uh, I am I am perfectly calm. Does that to Clark? We have nine of those. We have a plus one for shut that laptop because uh, Chloe closes her her screensaver for Jimmy pictures when Clark comes in her place. That brings us to thirty so far. We have a plus three for under the influence, uh, at least on screen. Uh, the people that Maxima made out with uh, Wall Street Bro, Jimmy and Clark. That brings us to thirty-seven, and that's going to do it. You know, Clark does say. Uh, you weren't in control, but that's not quite you weren't yourself. And that's a category that we have just to quote. So there you have it. And hey, Bechtel test passed this week. Plenty of scenes between women talking about things that weren't men. So Bechtel test passed. It's mostly women threatening each other um, <laughs> in this. No, I uh, <laughs> every time she slammed the laptop shut, it's like, I'm not looking at porn on Templar. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to do it. Uh, for this episode of Always Hold On to Smallville. Michael, thank you so much for coming on. Really fun to talk uh, some Smallville with you. We, we've circled each other online for a while. And, yeah. and obviously, you're, you're you're a well-known Superman uh, podcaster. And, and just to kind of get your insight on what you thought about Smallville was great, man. We'll have to do it again before the, before the series is over. Absolutely. No, it's it's I, I, I don't know if I told you this last time, but... I realized that there was there was a point in, in, in the Superman podcasting verse where everybody knew everybody. Uh, in fact, we had very briefly a Superman podcasting network thing uh, where everybody kind of shared a central location. You had your own sites, but you could you could do it there. And it kind of was a central location for people to find Superman podcasts. And I realized when I started doing the Superman and Lois tapes that I was completely out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> with all of the other because it blossomed hmm. um you know when i started podcasting there was like two shows about superman and now you throw a rock and you hit you know you hit something uh so i was when i was poking around uh your show came highly recommended uh and i was just like nope i gotta check this out and we started bumping into each other on on twitter uh which is not normally a place where people get along, but you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, so it was a, it was a pleasure to be on. I was, I was really glad. Yeah. If you want to have me on again, just, uh, I'm not saying that the hangover episode is my favorite episode of the final season. Uh, but I am saying that. So, <laughs> all right, we'll see. I, I will have my signal watch ready for you to come back on the, on the show, Michael. But, uh, but in the meantime, uh, where, where can people find you out there on online? Well, I have uh, been shockingly doing nothing lately because uh, of, of real life, but uh, FortressOfBailey2.com has six, seven hundred episodes of various shows. Uh, you probably will find something you like over there uh, between From Crisis to Crisis, where me and Jeffrey Taylor talk about uh, the post-crisis adventures of Superman. We're halfway through our five-year mandate 
uh, and we have been at it since 2009, so I can't do math. And uh, Superman and Lois tapes with my friends uh, Allison and Bethany. We we talk about uh, Superman and Lois when it's on, uh, which, by the way, is not a set of podcasting muscles that I ever knew I could use, and I hate it. Uh, hey, I, I love stuff. <laughs> I love doing the show. I love talking with them. I hate that you have to get that episode out. Yeah, you know, well, especially when there's a. Uh... A very unreliable schedule from the series you're trying to cover as well. Yeah, it's <laughs> just, we've experienced over here. I, I mean, it's just like, OK, so we're going to have like three weeks where there isn't going to be a show. So mm-hmm. which is which is fine, because I was I was always willing to wait because Superman and Lois. Uh, and they say this is somebody who has uh, been at this a very long time. My favorite live action representation of Superman Um Strong words, but I, yeah, I understand yeah. why. I, I think it's fantastic, too. So. Uh, but um, and uh, I do another show that comes out irregularly called It All Comes Back to Superman, which is kind of a gag. <laughs> uh, so if you ever want to hear a man slowly descend into insanity talking about Doomsday Clock and what that represents for <laughs> Superman, uh, there's a couple episodes about that. So um, is that any yeah, good? No. I have a stack. I bought every issue and I have a stack of it and I never read it. Um. <laughs> It is fascinating how it goes from being a sequel to Watchmen to Jeff Johns going, guys, Superman's really important. <laughs> uh, so I recommend it. Um, I mean, I have it. It's it's in it's in a long box here. I just need to <laughs> just need like to I said, it, I, so. I would recommend it, especially as a Superman guy. Mm-hmm. There is a. And it was the, the issue that came out. It was like issue 10, I think where I, I did what was, I don't know if I landed it. I, I literally played uh, the Da Vinci Code score in the background as I was picking it apart. Because uh, I was like, we've and, I, and when I did the episode graphic, I did a cork board with string connecting things. And I made, like, I went way too into this for just a one-off episode. <laughs> um, but it, it says something about Superman and the DC Universe that both... Warner Brothers and DC Comics in general seem to just have completely forgotten. Uh, hmm. So I would say it's worth it for the ending. Interesting. Um, it is very Jeff Johnsian. I I, uh, I I like Jeff Johns. He's my favorite comic writer. So so uh, so if you like his stuff, it, all of his ticks are in there. Great. Um, so but yeah, no. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Um, I I. I I like re-examining things after 10 years because, you know, you're just such a different person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's revisiting these episodes, even as me, and I'm like watching them when I was younger and now watching them. I'm like, oh, life, life experience, uh, like anything, art art is what you bring to it, right? So mm-hmm. it's a symbiotic relationship. I get it. So. <laughs> well, great. Well, that's going to do it for us this time. We'll be back next week talking about Committed. But until then, always... Hold on to Smallville. Always Hold On to Smallville is part of the Always Hold On to network of podcasts and brought to you by listeners like you. Chris Fuchs, Kevante Chillis, Darren Kirscht, Joey Deanberg, 
JJ Hodges, DJ Duena, Casey Vosch, Isaiah Goodridge, Corey Moore, Nathan Rothatcher, Thomas Navin, Andrew Parker, Adam Sullins, Mark Idsfoppen, Patricia Carrillo, Michael Hartford, Jim Crawford, Megan Rich, Rui Humphrey, Nathan McKenzie, Jason Skipper, Steve Rogers, Joe Mikendo, Atif Sheik, Molly Ficarella, John Curcio, Dylan D'Antonio, James Lee, Joe Michael, Jason Davis, Patrick Bravo, Jacob Stevenart, Dana Bias, Alex Ramsey, Crystal Dungeon, Rob O'Connor, Tay Tay, Nick Ryan Magdoza, Eddie Bissell, Jim Thomas, Nicholas Fansler, Clunk Kent, Stephanie Ronsley, John Long, Tom Gerke, Nicholas Coso, Jared Gibbs, Anthony Anderson, Jasmine McGilley, Keith Falls, James Hart, Anthony Desiato, Crystal Cross, and Jake C. Thank you so much to all these patrons. And you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash alwaysmallville with one S. Hope to see you there. Always Well Into Smallville's theme music is by Lance Laster, and our podcast art is by Tom Gerke. You can follow us on Twitter at alwaysmallville with one S. You can find us on Facebook at Always Hold On To Smallville, and you can send us an email at alwaysmallville at gmail.com, once again, with one S. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.